0: Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanna let you know that this episode is brought to you by Comcast Rise. Now, I have shared this opportunity on the show before and I will keep sharing it because I want you guys to apply, apply, apply at sidehustlepro.co slash Comcast Rise. This is one of the best opportunities for small business owners. Comcast has launched this multi-year, multi-faceted initiative designed to help strengthen small businesses owned by women of color, people of color, I personally applied and received a full technology package for Sidehouse Pro, which included three iPads, two laptops, and a desktop, which is a game changer for my team and I. So please do not talk yourself out of this amazing opportunity. Go ahead and go over to sidehouseproco slash Comcast Rise to apply. Qualifying businesses can apply to receive advertising and marketing consultations, production of a 30-second TV commercial, plus a media strategy consultation and a 90-day media placement schedule, or a complete technology makeover of computer equipment and internet voice and cybersecurity services for 12 whole months. So visit SideHustlePro.co slash Comcast Rise to learn more and apply hey guys hey welcome back to the show it's nicaela here back with another episode of side hustle pro and today in the guest chair, i have fun fact my website designer shirley ansley so in 2015 shirley went on a journey to start a business and tried to diy her website only to find out that making your own website is kind of hard. I know this, you probably know this as well. So she became instantly obsessed with figuring out how to build a website the right way. And along the way, found herself starting a business as a freelance website designer. She ran her business on the side while still working a full-time job for almost two years until finally taking the leap. She left her nine to five while three months pregnant with her second child a few months before the pandemic hit Today, she is a successful and profitable freelance website designer who's had the privilege of working with award-winning podcasters, women of color, women-led business, national organizations, and more. And in today's episode, she gets into the strategy she used to transition from her job while still growing her side hustle, how she worked on and improved her technical design knowledge so she could shift from charging only $675 for a website, to now charging between $5,000 to $10,000, and so much more. Let's get right into it. So welcome to the guest chair, Shirley. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy
1: to be here, Nikayla. Hey, everybody inside Hustle Pro.
0: So, Shirley, as I already told you guys, is my, I want to say best kept secret, but you are no secret. I mean, I've seen your portfolio these days. Like You have been working on some amazing, amazing projects, websites for awesome creators, podcasters. So, before you became this awesome website and graphic designer, what was your original career path? You were, I believe, an engineer, right?
1: Yep. I started off in the whole engineering industry. My biggest dream was to become a Walt Disney Imagineer. And so I was like on track to do that? that. So um, Imagineers, so like when I first got introduced to engineering, um, I didn't know that you could do so many things with it. But the one thing that I found fascinating was that you can use engineering in order to build like entertainment stuff. So theme park rides, um, themed environments, anything from uh, doing the actual drafting of a themed environment to actually like building it or supervising it from a project perspective. So Imagineers do um, like a whole facet of things. They're artists, they're engineers, they're project managers. And things of that nature. Um, I was really fascinated in the project management perspective of doing imagineering. So that's basically what I was trying to do. I I got my dream job working for the Walt Disney Company for for like a little bit in 2012. Like I worked with them. Um, I did get a project management job in a contract position, and that was wonderful. Um, But then my contract ended, I moved back to Boston, and I tried to figure out how I could keep kind of like the engineering thing going. Um, But I wasn't finding any type of fulfillment in it. So I made a career transition from engineering into design. And that's kind of like how this whole journey started, because I was working for an organization. And then I eventually started working for myself. And it's kind of like been happily ever after, sort of like,
0: (laughs) after that, I think that is I think that is extremely cool because, first of all, you've taught me about this role I never (laughs) knew existed. I mean, of course, we know that there are engineers behind the scenes at Walt Disney World. But when you're in that place of just magic, that's all you Mm -hmm. see. It it almost feels like it just popped up that way. And that's just how it's always been. (laughs) But what I also find intriguing is thinking about you working in the most magical, creative space on Earth, you know, as some people feel it is, to now what you do. In having to reimagine websites over and over again because mm-hmm. everyone always comes to you and is like I like that but of course you don't want mm-hmm. everyone's website to look the same right. of course you're like I cannot actually give you that same website right so you're constantly tasked with reimagining so I, I just think that I don't know if you've ever connected those dots but that's no but I'm really like cool. I'm about to add
1: that to my website <laughs> I love <laughs> the way you connected that I never I never viewed it as that but yeah it yeah. basically is kind of like the same thing where you take an idea and you um, say, How can I re-engineer this to make it work for the, the objectives that the the client is trying to do overall at the end of the day? And that's basically what I try to do
0: for everybody that I work with, and it's really, really fun. Yep. And one of the things that you know Shirley does really well, and again, I don't know if you know this, but I'm telling you now is um so on that same theme of imagining, right? When you go to a website, you don't even realize, but you're having an experience. Just mm-hmm. Same way when you walk into a store and you have merchandisers who have designed that store to help you mm-hmm. have a certain the experience they want you to have with a website. Mm-hmm. That is what we all hope to do. But we we are as um, creators or whatever it is that you do, whatever you need a website for, you want to look for someone who is able to guide someone through your site and is able to tell you what you need to do to guide someone through your site because we don't think about this every day if you don't live in the land Mm -hmm. of design you don't think about the experience the person is having when they land on your site so so why did you transition from the journey of trying to be an imagineer Mm -hmm. at Walt Disney World to starting to design websites what happened what led to that pivot
1: Yeah. So um, in 2012, that's when my contract was with the Walt Disney organization. So it was a contract position. I knew it was going to end at some point in time. Um, I believe they had extended it like twice as much as they could (laughs) with the budget that they had. Um, But eventually the contract ended and I went back home thinking, you know, I'm just going to be here for a couple of months and then I'm going to find a job back in Florida again. Um, Mm -hmm. But that never happened. So I tried to make use of you know, kind of doing the same thing I was doing just at home in Boston. And even though like I was working at the same capacity for another organization, I kind of lost all of that motivation and all of that gusto that I had with working with these other organizations. And I just didn't have the same passion or motivation anymore. And I wanted to try a career pivot because I was tired of literally hopping on the phone every day with my sister and crying and telling her I'm miserable at my job. So I was like, well, let me try something that I've always done my entire life. And people say, hey, you're really good at this, um, which was design. So like in college, I was that girl that you went to whenever you needed a flyer or or a poster, (laughs) or if we needed to quickly develop some sort of like digital thing that was that was me. I created the pamphlets. I was designing the t-shirts and stuff like yeah. that. But I was just doing it for fun. I never thought you could make a career out of design. But when I said I I was talking to my sister and she was just like, "Hey, nobody's forcing you to stay at your job, so why don't you just quit?" And I was like, yeah. "Quit? What do you mean?" <laughs> um and i was exactly. like that yeah i know right like i i wanted to um i don't know if i mentioned this before but I, like i'm a first generation haitian american and it's like so imperative that like i i make my parents proud <laughs> and i didn't want to just like quit a good paying job oh yes yeah. right that's blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You remind me of that saying and, you know, my friend Cass always says this too, like, you're not a tree. You can leave like you. You are not planted like you literally a lot of times we spend so much time um, so upset with where we are. And you don't remember that you have that power. No, it's not going to be easy and it might not Mm -hmm. happen overnight. But once you make that decision, like, look, this is not working out. I'm going to do something else. Then you start working towards that Mm -hmm. game changer.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, you get it, girl. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly basically what I had. It was like a, a light bulb just went off in my head. I was like, oh, I, I guess I don't have to stay here. Yeah. Um. And so I started looking for uh different, like basically design positions that were not entry level, but like mid-level, right? Okay. And okay. the goal was basically to find something that would help me experiment with a career in design, Mm -hmm. um, because it was completely different for me. And I just didn't know what the expectations were, especially since I didn't have like a formal degree in design, I had a formal degree in engineering, and those kind of don't translate. Right. So I got a job working as a learning experience slash visual designer, like the formal position was visual designer, but it was really a learning experience designer job. So in that position, I learned how to do everything from designing pitch decks to designing sales presentations, um, creating courses for adult learners. That was like the biggest part of that that job. And it was kind of like diving in deep (laughs) when I had absolutely no clue what to do. Um, I really had to teach myself a lot of the fundamentals of like typography, which is learning how what fonts work with what, especially Mm -hmm. with adult learners, because um, they're sensitive to different types of ways that you structure your fonts. I had to learn um, how to use color properly. Um, I had to learn how to brand an organization that didn't really have a brand.
0: (laughs) And I was not (laughs) a brand
1: strategist. I was not a brander. I was not familiar with that at all. Um, So I had to learn how to create a brand for that particular organization. And then I created like literally, um, I believe it was like over 70 or 80 lessons like at 80 courses in uh-huh. the, the course of the time that I worked with that particular organization. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot of work. Wow. And I I, dive deep. I made a lot of mistakes. There were several times where I thought they were going to fire me. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: One of the things you said really stuck out to me. You talked about um, having to teach yourself. So how are you learning these things? Like, you know, how are you teaching yourself? What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So, um, when I started just doing design, like I was just doing it on the fly. Um, yeah. but like, again, like I'm first generation Haitian American. My mother had big, big plans for me. Um, <laughs> for summers, I didn't go to traditional summer camps. I went to like science, science camps, coding camps, all that type of stuff. Um, one time she had enrolled me in an HTML coding class mm-hmm. where we just had to learn stuff like mysterious thing called HTML. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) Little did I know that I would be using that later on in life in order to start doing design and development. Now, by the time it was actually useful for me, I had like little very working knowledge of it. Right. So I had to actually, um, like nights and weekends and stuff like that. I would go on Google, like searching, how to do something in Photoshop. Right. And I would give myself assignments and I would create something posted up on like Facebook. Cause that was popular at the time. Yeah. I would post it up on Facebook. People would be interested be like, Hey, could you do something for me? Um, and every time I got somebody who was like, Hey, could you do something for me? That was uh, also another assignment for me. And then I would get paid to Google, figure out how to do <laughs> X, Y, and Z, figure it out how to do it, post it back up on Facebook. <laughs> After I kept doing that over and over and over again, um, the skills just kept building, right? So I was pretty much just getting paid to learn how to design on the fly. But every wow. time I did it, I literally was just googling how to do X, Y, and Z stuff. So I'm so ever grateful for all of the people who posted how they do certain stuff online, because yeah. um, at the time, everybody was just sharing everything for free. Yeah, it, it was it was amazing. <laughs>
0: So when did you start taking on actual clients in terms of your web design business? When did that start?
1: So for website design, I think my first client was in 2016, somewhere around that time, like right when I had my son. Uh Um, My first, first client was a friend from college had recommended me, a friend that she was working with. So... She was my first client and my first project, I think I charged something like $675 because I didn't know how <laughs> much to charge. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I had charged like $675 and I thought that was a lot of money at the time um, to help this girl build her like life coaching business. Um, and I built that first website on Wix, which I thought was like a major platform at the time. And that project probably took me about four months or so to do. Um, She was very nice during the whole entire process. She allowed me to experiment and do different stuff with graphic design. Um, Very patient with me and stuff like that. And she was very, very happy at the end of the day with her product. And when that project ended, I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. I charged somebody for a website.
0: It was so (laughs) cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that 675 was divided by four, y'all. <laughs> four bucks. <months>. Right. <laughs> so
1: thank goodness I still had like a full-time job at the time because I was right. like, oh, this is, this is not going to cut it. This is not going to feed yes. the family.
0: <laughs> now, <laughs> so, at what phase did you start to kick it in gear? Did you start to get more aggressive? Because, yeah. you know, at some point you went from side hustling to making this your main hustle. So how mm-hmm. did that transition happen? So at first I was like really, really scared. hmm
1: to Scared do anything full time. Um, I was just like I wasn't sure of myself, like because of the fact that like my first the first project that I did was six seventy five and I'm a numbers person and I was just like crunching the numbers and I was like, this yeah. six seventy five really is not gonna cut it. But who's gonna hire me? Like without any technical website experience because, again, I was like a self-taught designer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wasn't really confident in myself. And I had to gain the confidence in order to actually start, number one, charging more in order to Mm -hmm. actually leave my job. Um, But one of the things that motivated me was I just discovered like lots of podcasts and audiobooks and things like that nature, but specifically, obviously, this is kind of like a plug, but Side Hustle Pro (laughs) really, really inspired me um, as I was trying to gain the confidence to literally quit my job, right? Because I was hearing all of these stories from women who also worked full-time jobs that transitioned into owning their own business by themselves by just slowly kind of gaining the experience and the confidence. And I was like, oh my goodness, look at all these women who are doing that. Some of them are also mothers. Some of them, you know, like some of them were dead broke at the beginning. Like (laughs) some of them had just the savings and stuff like that. And I was like gaining some strategies and insights just by listening to these different stories. And that helped me gain the confidence or just at least come up with a plan on how I'm going to go from working on the side hustle to actually working full time. So first things first is, um, I did two things. So one thing I learned from you was that I needed a savings. Okay. So yes. <laughs> I actually started, uh, creating like this, uh, job escape account. Like I literally called it escape from job or something like that. A savings <laughs> account. Yep. And I started just like, literally, I was like, okay, I'm going to do three months, at least three months of savings for my job escape. Um, worst case scenario, like six months out. Right. So I would aggressively save to that particular account. I wasn't like spending frivolously during those times. So I would aggressively save towards that account. And then the second thing is I started charging more and I did it incrementally. So Mm -hmm. once I finished a project, basically incrementally, I would charge an extra three to $500 um, on each project. So by the time I would get to like person, Six or seven or whatever, um, yeah. I was charging like two or three thousand dollars or something like that, right? So because like every time I would just like charge a little more, charge a little more, charge a little more because I was doing something bigger, grander or whatever, or I learned a, a new skill. When mm-hmm. I got to the point where I was charging three thousand per project, I was like, okay, I feel confident enough to at least. Put in my notice. <laughs> put mm-hmm. in some type of notice, right? Yeah. Um, especially since like when I found out I was pregnant with my second and I knew I had like basically a clock that was that was running that was gonna put me on maternity leave anyway. Yeah. Um I
0: was like, okay, I have the confidence in um to be able to actually leave. Did you take your maternity leave first though? Like take your maternity leave and then say, by the way, I'm not coming back. <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
1: I was I was three months pregnant when I left. <laughs> oh my.
0: <laughs> you were
1: done. You were dead. <laughs> I was, yeah. So what we kind of decided to do was that, um, and this was a strategy that I learned from one of your guests, was that I was going to work part-time with the company that I was working with, but um, full-time as a freelance designer. So, okay. um, so how did that work? I, yeah. So when I left... technically I was like, it was technically me giving my notification, but um, essentially they would be able to still contact me if I, um, if they ever had like a project that they wanted me to work on, but I wasn't obligated to, you know, be on their clock, show up at an office, show up to meetings or anything like that. It was literally almost as if I was a contractor for them. And that worked out really well because it truly gave me that feeling that I was out on my own, I was a true freelance designer. Um, so I'd work a little bit with them. I'd work a little bit on these projects that I had, um, as a full-time designer, but then I also had the savings that helped me get through the first couple of months because, um, I was still kind of trying to figure out how to balance money and all of that stuff like that.
0: Um, yeah, so that's what basically happened. That was uh, your transition, like your, your, how you went. So, uh, Chris did it. My, my episode with Crystal, Crystal Rory. If you guys want to go back, I'll link to it in the show notes too. Is the guest uh, Shirley's mentioning? And um, so, I love the fact that you, you know, you <laughs> you took that advice of having that savings, you guys. Because um, there's nothing worse than leaving and scrambling for money, or just feeling like you are making decisions based on a desperation to Mm -hmm. cover your bills because then you start making really bad decisions actually. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that you touched on that is also really important is you allowed yourself to develop your skills before you started charging more. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I know that nowadays there's this pressure there's this narrative that you need to raise your prices you're not charging enough <laughs> <laughs> but no one is talking about the growth the, no one's emphasizing that your prices will grow as your skill set grows mm-hmm. so you talked about like hey i i was learning i i learned a new skill set that i'm going to be applying and now they're looking at that and they want that yesterday's price is not today's price exactly. as a result of these yep. new skills that i have so emphasizing that like i love that you emphasize that because yes your prices should go up as your skills increase as well can we talk a little bit about your um how you marketed yourself to get new clients because you know i'll never forget that email you sent me when you had a whole video of (laughs) this future website that i could Potentially have if I just work with you. And I was like, what? I have never seen this in my life. Um, so tell, tell people that story because I just love that. Yeah, that you did that. I just, I've never seen anything like that. It's so funny that you say that because
1: I remember when I started making that plan to transition, uh, I was just trying to build a portfolio. Like, I was yep. like, but I want to build a portfolio with people that I would love to work with in the future. So I just, Like literally, like I said, after work, I would do my homework and I just created this portfolio of like clients that I would like to work with and your podcast, I was addicted to it. Like literally I was like, but the user experience on this website, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. So I was like, what would it look like for me as somebody who is addicted to this podcast? What would I want to see when I hop on her website? So I just decide designed like a whole home page around it and I like my objective was not to pitch you <laughs> like I was not yeah. trying to pitch anybody I just wanted the permission to be able to showcase what I was mm-hmm. creating on my website so I reached out to you with this whole design idea that I had and I I think I recorded in loom or something like that like, yeah, but I recorded video you did a screen like, recording yeah um, what the website would look like and i'm like hey would it be okay for me to just like display this on my website and you're like how
0: about we work together and i was like yeah what? <laughs> i was like how about you i pay you for this website <laughs> and then yeah of course you could put it on your portfolio but i didn't even understand what you were asking i was like what like i need this website <laughs> And by the way, you guys, so that was in 2019, or maybe it was end of 2018, but we worked together 2019. Mm-hmm. So I was three years into podcasting. So I always tell people, you know, when you first start out, your first draft of your website should be simple. It it should be DIY because mm-hmm. you're you're still figuring out um, what your offerings are, are going to be and the things that you want. So you need some time to develop as a business owner before you you invest a lot into a website mm-hmm. you know that's something i have spoken about um uh, when crystal was on the show what's your take on that because I, I i wouldn't have been able to work with you i don't think um until i really had that grasp of what my offerings were and still every day we're still we're still getting ready to tweak some more the <laughs> yep. website even more because i'm so glad you i've grown that Yeah, I'm so glad
1: you brought it up. So after a while of working with different types of business owners, like I've literally worked from people who are starting from scratch to people who have Mm -hmm. many years of experience in their business. And I find the best projects, the ones that go most smoothly are the people who are more established and who have been in the nitty gritty of their business for a while. And the reason for that is because. When you know who your audience is, what your audience wants from you, exactly what your products are, what the prices are, what platforms you're using, what you're connecting, you know, like uh, when you know all of that stuff and it's already set up, it's so easy to design a user interface or an experience around all of that stuff and just make it neater and cleaner and organize it so that it's all good. Um, The projects where I've worked with people who are just beginning and don't know what they're doing, they required the most amount of work. They didn't even understand what exactly the product was like, or what the Mm -hmm. service was, or, you know, like, how we're going to be displaying it on the website. And I found that like they would be investing so much money into designing and developing a website when you could have used that same money to just help with your marketing, your sales funnels, your, your traffic, and your, you know, like just basically getting traction, getting clients, proving that your stuff actually works before you invest in kind of like doubling down with your website. So, Mm -hmm. um, like if I were going to invest Anywhere between five to ten thousand dollars on my website, it's because <laughs> it's because I've already established a system yeah. where I know where my where my audience is coming from, what the experience that they need on their website is before mm-hmm. you know, like I drop the the money down. So I totally agree with you. Have have the website; it don't li- need to look pretty. Just right. DIY
0: it plain spend website like 20 yeah. bucks on it <laughs> and how do you pick the best platform when you are DIYing it because you know sometimes um, people ask me that and I'm like I'm not a website designer but here's what I use <laughs> yeah so the platform is really
1: dependent on how involved you want to be with the mm-hmm. technical aspects of the website okay. because there are there are benefits and like Disadvantages or pros and cons to every type of platform. Um, I've worked in all types of platforms. Um, the most popular ones are obviously going to be Wix, Squarespace, Show It, and WordPress as of right now. Webflow is coming in too. Like I'm starting to learn that platform as well. But okay. um, the ones for small business owners and personal brands, the go-to ones are going to be uh, Show It, Wix, Squarespace, um, and then like WordPress is really for the person who has more advanced stuff, right? So um, if you're not very technically savvy and you just don't wanna put like too much time into building your website, you probably wanna consider something like Squarespace. Just know that there are limitations as far as like designs are concerned. Um, show it is also really good at doing like the whole drag and drop user interface and making something really pretty but just know that there is a learning curve around it as well oh, yeah. um, and then WordPress has like probably like the largest learning curve but it has um, really it's really just amazing how much you can do with it um, once you know what you want right yeah if you know what you want you you know how to put it all together you know how to make it work but just know that with WordPress the caveat is that you can't just like set it and forget it like, like you have to take care of it or at least have somebody who's taking care of it. You know, like yeah, do something yeah, because if you don't do something, your website will break. Yes, through.
0: yes. I've done Squarespace and I've done WordPress. Um, And so I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, f- I find that um, later on down the line, if you want to take advantage of things like plugins and all those things, I appreciate WordPress for that reason and mm-hmm. show it I never even heard of. <laughs> So that's new to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think the reasons why ShowIt has become so popular is because um, especially like people who are self-taught designers like myself, you don't have to get into more of the technical stuff that is involved with WordPress. So Mm -hmm. it's very it's almost like Wix in a way, Mm, a little bit. A little bit different, but um, it. but it's uh, very much for the person who loves design, doesn't want to um, spend too much time on the technical aspects, wants yeah. a lot of flexibility in the way that the website is, and then also can like get it up and running in like little to no time as possible. Mm. So like basically, with all of those platforms, you're going to get that basically. You can get your website up and running um, in little to no time, which is also another philosophy I have, right? Um, As small business owners, we spend way too much time working on the website projects. I personally do not (laughs) believe it should take four months to do a website project coming from a person. (laughs) has taken four to six months designing yeah. websites. I have
0: done yeah. that. Like it like I think my, one of I'm my guilty of that. I'm fault. guilty of letting life just trap me in indecision or like I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. And before you know it, it's been a year. <laughs> yeah. And you I've, haven't worked to, or like a new project will come up. Mm-hmm. So you have to really also prioritize as a business owner. You have to really say, okay, what Is most important what's going to move the needle Mm -hmm. and focus on that and refuse to let those distractions get you all like worked up like oh no i need that on my website too Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i i wholeheartedly believe i took a course basically that taught you how to build a website in five days and i was like oh after seeing this i was like um even like a more complex or complicated website m- maybe it yeah. could be done in like 2 or 3 weeks like it doesn't take long to design a website if you're strategic and you're organized mm-hmm. like the pages like you know exactly what content is going on there and right. there's like and this is the engineering me there's like literally a pattern and a strategic way to like design a page and all you have to do is kind of just fill in the stuff based on um, the principles that you've learned. So, if you are a designer yeah. and you're kind of watching this and wondering, oh, how do I um, increase the speed time of designing and developing a website? Number one, choose the choose the platform, choose one that's really good for you. But also, um, just know that like it's really just a pattern that you just like you go in and then you plug and play your content. Um, but as small business owners, like before you do anything. Uh, what you need to focus on is organizing your content so, mm-hmm. so that you don't take four to six months designing and developing a website. Right, right.
0: Because that's not your web designer's job either. That's mm-hmm. a common misconception that you can just throw all this junk at them and they're going to take that and make it into this beautiful website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you actually need to get your copywriting together and, mm-hmm. and you know, all of that. So, guys, I know investing and trading can seem really intimidating and complicated, but it doesn't have to be that way. Episode 301 guest Terry Ajoma runs one of the top investing education programs out there. It's called Trade and Travel. It's an on demand course with really thorough lessons that explain everything. And it also features weekly coaching with Terry herself and a very active private Facebook community. How do I know? Because I am also a trade and travel student and trade and travel is helping me to break through the intimidation that I've always felt around stocks. So Terry teaches you the difference between long versus short selling. She teaches you everything you need to know about getting set up, where to invest, how to invest. Um, she teaches you how to trade stocks as a side hustle to earn extra income and how to set concrete goals, realistic goals, how to pace yourself. Trading is not something you need to do every day. Um, you know, Terry really Shows you how to do it in a realistic side hustle way, so that you are trading, but you are also, you know, having impact and making wise choices. So go ahead and learn more and sign up for the Trade and Travel program at SideHustlePro.co/slash Trade and Travel, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Through Trade and Travel, you can learn how to trade as a side hustle and supplement your income with trading. So sign up for Trade and Travel at SideHustlePro.co/slash Trade and Travel. One more time, that's SideHustlePro.co/slash trade and travel so we kind of took a detour there and i don't want to miss out on sharing some other parts of your story so i know that we were talking about you know you leaving (laughs) at three months um and three months pregnant Mm -hmm. and starting to incrementally raise your prices raise your prices at what stage would you say you you really felt comfortable in saying like i am a website designer this is what i do full time i'm not looking for another role and what did it take to get there um, for the
1: most part, like when I left, I had so much confidence in telling people, um, this is who I am, and this is what I deliver. Now, along the way, there were a lot of obstacles. So some of the obstacles that I encountered was that my process was not locked down for me to be able to take on more clients. Um, so shortly after I gave birth, um, I didn't really take maternity leave. I probably took a couple of days to myself, but I didn't really take <laughs> maternity leave. Um, and I think that's just because I was working for myself. So I, I had absolutely no, no boundaries, but that's a story for another day. But shortly after I had my son, I was not expecting the influx of people who were going to come into my pipeline. So I just said yes to everything, which was a major lesson for me. Um, mm-hmm. I need to understand like, Everybody is not a yes. (laughs) Everybody is not a yes. Um, You need a screening process. Like you need to choose clients. Not just because of the individual who was coming into my pipeline, but it was just Mm -hmm. also I was not able to manage it. I was a one person business or, you know, like I really describe myself as a freelance designer because that's who I am. Like it's just really just me. And um, being just me and trying to manage multiple projects for me, it was not working because I wanted to, I wanted to give like the best experience for my clients as possible. But when I'm not able to, you know, like send you an email back right away or, um, deliver like a graphic within like a 24 to 48 hour period, like that was weighing heavy on me. I know some of my clients did not matter, like did not mind. They were just like, okay, you know, you just had a baby, like, it's okay. And I'm just like, no, it's like, it's not okay. (laughs) so um that weighed heavy on me i didn't have a process in place in order to like be able to handle the influx of people so it was a blessing that a lot more people were um figuring out who i was um mostly i know you asked about my marketing earlier but it was it was mostly through word of mouth and referrals that i was able to get client after client after client Mm -hmm. um and then all of those people came coming in. Um, so I had to get through that obstacle of like taking a moment to actually create a a solid process. And I would tweak my process with every client that would come through, kind of see the things that didn't work or kind of see, um, where I was being a bottleneck in order to figure out exactly how to fix my process. Um, number two, I started, uh, going into what my packages were and cutting out a lot of things. So <laughs> I was I was doing the most. I was doing everything. Right. What kind of
0: things did you cut out? How did you restructure yeah. your packages? Um,
1: Okay. So if it wasn't for the fact that I had started joining coaching programs and like Mm -hmm. just going into Facebook groups with other designers and stuff like that, I wouldn't have known that I was like literally doing the job of four or five people and just offering it for way less, (laughs) way (laughs) less than all of these other people were. And I was like, oh, I think I need to fix this. And this is what's probably contributing to the fact that like, um, why my process was so slow and stuff like that. So I started cutting out, like one of the things that I um, started cutting out was brand strategy um, Mm -hmm. because I knew that wasn't like, it was not something that I was really strong at. Like I understood the fundamentals of brand strategy, but there are some Mm -hmm. people out there, there are people who are really good at articulating exactly why your brand should take a certain direction and why they should do that and like be able to document it and everything. Um, I feel like brand strategy is almost, line hand in hand with marketing and that's that's just not my my thing (laughs) i was not strong at that so i just decided to cut brand strategy out and that gave me huge relief um the next thing was cutting out branding in general um, mm-hmm. so branding, um, I love doing it. It's just that like, I knew that people, there were people out there who were 10
0: times better. So and what, do, was, what do you mean by branding? Are you talking about helping people to kind of select their colors and select and, and do their logo and, and typography yeah. and all that stuff? Like, what did you, what do you mean by branding? Yeah.
1: So, um, in my kind of like learning process, um, the way that I was creating branding and the way that I discovered that branding was done through other, um, more experienced designers, I noticed that they were providing more value that um, I wasn't necessarily doing. So I thought it was just, oh, here's here's a color palette. Let me pick this for you. Let me pick out some photography for you. Um, yeah. Let me try to figure out exactly what logos we should create and stuff like that. And I would just create like a simple logo for them. Um, yeah. But what other um, very, very experienced brand branders uh, i'm just going to call them that brand designers will do they they really get into the nitty gritty of it they create so many iterations like i probably would create m- maybe like 12 iterations of a logo uh-huh. before i actually present one to the client whereas other brand designers they would iterate it maybe like 30 40 50 times before they create something that they actually present to the client and they also mm. provided them with a variety of assets that i was not providing to my client and i knew that in order to become like a or to provide the most value to my client. Um, at lo- As far as branding was concerned, um, that like I was not going to provide that level of service for them at the price point that I was. So I just, I was like, it, it's gotta go.
0: <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, what you need to drill down on and focus. So what did you start focusing on? So then I started
1: focusing simply on website design and development. And um, okay. I think at that point, I had also taken a course uh, with, Jerisha Hawk which was another one of uh, your interviewees that I was like really (laughs) inspired by and um, through that course that's when I learned uh, like you will always 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 be narrowing down exactly what you do so I thought like hey I'm a web designer developer that's very specific no Uh no 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 (laughs) Like it can get more specific and I literally have gotten more specific with it as well so last year when I when I narrowed it down to just website design and development, I would just um, market that on my website. Um, I would get like a nice influx of people who actually just wanted website design and development. But um, another one of the kind of like obstacles that I had to go over is like figuring out which platform was best because I realized that um, again, as a solo business owner, um, the people who were coming to me were coming to me with various different platforms, which means Mm -hmm. I had to learn, different skills for each one of these different platforms so it was like basically turning my brain on and off on and off with every single project all the time and i was like well wouldn't it be nice if i just like kind of focused on one or two of these and then um that way i know how to design and deliver in a faster paced time right Mm-hmm. So, I started focusing on just WordPress platforms, and with a specific word uh, website builder, which is Elementor. And Mm -hmm. I started showcasing a lot of um, some of my work on the Elementor, like Facebook group and stuff like that. And I guess Mm -hmm. Elementor noticed that I was sharing some of that stuff and they um, contacted me to interview with them. And I was like featured on their platform because I was just like doing a whole bunch of stuff with them. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it actually showed me the value of actually like really narrowing down exactly what areas that you're going to do. So eventually, like basically my packages have been almost cut down to a point where um like if you're coming to me and you don't have branding you don't have copywriting you don't have strategy you don't have marketing <laughs> like if you're working on a different platform like we're not we're not a match um mm. i'm also able to like do one of my biggest things. is like i want websites done between two to four weeks like it should not take longer than that and because of that i'm also able able to charge like a anywhere between five to $10,000 for, for my platforms. And that really helped with my packaging. So even though um, like in the beginning, I was charging $600 to do it on any platform and then do anything like graphic design, logos and all that stuff. I'm at a point right now where I'm doing very something very specific and I'm able to charge a higher price because I cut so many things out of my package and got very specific. And now I'm like an expert in that particular area, if that makes any
0: sense. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I love the fact that um, you touched on, listen, when you're a service-based provider, you have to screen, you have to eliminate, you have to really drill down on who who is a good match for you. It is a matching process. Not everyone is your client and that's okay because you want them to have a good experience as well. So mm-hmm. if this is just not the right match, then it's okay to walk away, to let them know that that's not you have to eliminate that uh, attitude of lack. And I think when you're first starting out at going from side hustling and where you're like just trying to get clients when you're going from being a beginner and when you start becoming experienced and you transition into that mode, you have to trust that another client that's better for you will come along. You have to completely let go of that lack mindset and say, just because I'm turning this down doesn't mean I won't be able to make money and pay my bills.
1: Yeah. And can I add to that is that also um, there will be some people who get through the cracks. <laughs> like, even though, you say, <laughs> even though you say no to some people because, you know, the red flag, see mm-hmm. them. Uh, there's some people who get through the cracks that happens. Like, I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned. Um in creating my process I thought that you know like seeing other successful designers out there I just thought that they always had the perfect clients that were always coming through they knew how to say no they had boundaries and stuff like that but um, I remember hearing one designer um, she's running a website design business she had like been making multiple millions of dollars and she was like you have to understand that like it's not about avoiding the the nightmare client is just anticipating the nightmare client because they will get through eventually. You just have to learn how to manage when that person gets through.
0: I know you mentioned you know, that um, your packages have shifted, but then also your process has shifted. Um, what particularly has shifted about your process? Um, again, I'm really interested in this for service-based providers because being a one-woman show can be, it, it's not sustainable, mm-hmm. right? Like um, you want your income to grow while not burning yourself out. So how have you shifted your process to allow for that?
1: Yeah, I find that um, automation is your best friend. Um, So I, uh, at some point in time, I got really intense about finding um, any platforms that allowed me to automate certain things, things like submitting proposals, contracting, Okay, submitting like the deliverables and things of that nature. Um, Anything I can automate, I will try to automate to my the best of my abilities, right? Um, A lot of communications that you provide, especially as a service provider, a lot of the communications that you will give to your clients is going to be some of the same stuff over and over and over again. So you might as well just write them all down put them in an email and just like, <laughs> hey, like copy and paste the email, send it to the client. Um, that That's definitely yep. going to help. I spent like literally <laughs> like one week just typing out all these type of emails or communications about like, hey, you're just starting this. Hey, I see you're behind on this. Hey, this is what this is like. Hey, this is how I want you to provide feedback. Um, I spend a good amount of time doing that. I've even had people yeah. copy it. I was like, okay, go ahead, take it. <laughs> Yeah, like, um, so number one is automating. Number two is I do contract out certain stuff um, on occasion. So I had another developer friend who was like good on the Elementor platform. And when I feel Mm -hmm. a little bit overwhelmed, basically, I just hire her to help me with some of the development work. And that has helped me tremendously. So I'm very grateful for being able to, you know, like get yes. some help eventually. I, I know I am a one woman show, but like, I know my limits. So like, I know yep. when I need yep. to like get somebody in to help me on a contract basis, um, just like I'm a contract to somebody else. So that also mm-hmm. helped with my process as well. So the two major thing as a service-based business is like really uh, get those tools that can help you with automation. And then when you are at like your bit uh, business, biggest bandwidth, just try to see if you can contract work to somebody who has kind of like the same skill level as you.
0: I love those tips. And one of the things, you know, as a client of Shirley's that I enjoy is when you make your videos explaining and you'll walk me through. So um, what's good about that is so she'll send a video in the email like, you know, here's what I've done. Here's how it works. Here's how to do it in the back end. It's good because then I can always have that mm-hmm. um, to share with my team when I'm training people on, you know, how to do stuff on my site, um, like my virtual assistant. And then also I can go back to that. I don't have to keep emailing you and also I'm the type of person that I might be a little too hands-off but I just I really am not a phone call person like I yes uh, (laughs) you know I'm not a frequent phone call person like you know I I just want you to sum it all up for me (laughs) so that that just works for me we don't have to jump on the phone you're just like boom here's everything you need to know yeah here's yeah, so <laughs> like I'm so glad you said well that. Yeah, that. Um, I think that's one thing you and me have
1: in common, and that's why I like yeah. I just resonated with you so much as I was listening to you because mm-hmm. I was I was that person who never like when I left my job I was like I don't want to hop on another call meeting another with anybody if I don't like if I don't need, like, to. I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> to do it then I will not do yeah. it. Trust me, yeah. that's that's how yeah. I set up my process. Like I'm like minimum minimum calls.
0: As much as possible. Probably to my detriment. I need to like really stop and start doing more meetings. But for now, it's just been just how I prefer to work. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think that's because corporate PTSD. (laughs) Maybe too much. So before we jump into the lightning round, um can you just share how you have moved through these last few years when you know you've been juggling, two kids at home and you are client based business. So You touched on it a little in that, you know, you have this guilt in not always being on or not being able to get back to people in the same way that you expected because we had this huge surprise dumped on our lap in that Mm -hmm. pandemic. So, you know, how have you navigated these two years and mentally just been able to keep yourself uplifted so that you can provide the best service possible to your clients? Oh, such a good question. So good. I'm taking notes because yes. I'm still trying to work on it. <laughs> I'm I mean, taking notes.
1: Uh, I, I remember reading Shonda Ryan's year of yes. And one of the yeah. uh, parts that like really stuck out to me was when she said, um, I can't be everything to everybody. You know, she was like, sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm like writing a great script, I'm missing out on my little girl's recital. And sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm sitting here like braiding my little girl's hair, I'm missing out on like one of the uh, script readings or something like that. And that's exactly basically what happens to me. I had to learn that um, there's no such thing as balance. It's like I give my all here sometimes, and then I give my all there sometimes. And I'm okay with that. Um, I've gotten to a point where I can comfortably say to my clients, this is coming from a people pleaser, and so it's hard for me (laughs) sometimes. But I've gotten to the point where I feel comfortable communicating to people like, hey, my son is sick, I've got to take care of him. I'm not going to be in office. Um, And that's basically how I've been able to kind of like live with it. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. still kind of um, working on being comfortable with it um, just because like I'm still a recovering people pleaser and it's hard for me to like see somebody upset or like if they need my immediate attention um, not to be able to like quickly dive into that. Um, I just understand that like um, if I want to have like a good relationship with my, my children in the future, I need to be present for them here now. So I make time mm-hmm. to be with them like now, whenever they need me. And then I make times for my clients because they also need me. And I'm on a mission to help a lot of women in color and business with their, with their endeavors as well. So I can um, give time to both. And that's kind of, I don't want to say the way I balance it, but that's the way I've accepted, like go juggling between the two and being a mom also, as well as being a wife, because you know I have a husband and he also needs my attention yeah. outside of just taking care yeah. of the kids, um, being able to make just time to for us to do movie nights because that that's our thing. Um, just yeah. like I got to be a wife right now, kids. Sorry, like here's the TV. <laughs> yep, you do your thing. I'll be over here yep, with Daddy. Yep. Okay, so yep, yep. you know, like I just know that there's like you're just gonna have to kind of like go in circles, if that makes any sense, like, and just mm-hmm. kind of figure out exactly what's a priority for you at the time and give it a hundred percent.
0: Keyword. Yeah. So how are you managing, um, like revenue projections again, as, um, someone who is living this world of now you eat what you kill and you are, someone who also you know you rely a lot on word of mouth referrals and things like that Um, how do you go about just making sure that you'll continue to sustain your income and grow
1: um that's a good question i've actually been trying to work on the whole um, hopping back into social media marketing um, yeah. to make it work for me because uh, it works so so well for all of my clients, like literally all of my yeah. clients like killing it at the game. Like they yeah. do it so well. So I'm trying to hop back into that and I just know it takes time to build an audience and grow like getting mm-hmm. people to know, like and trust you and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am fortunate that like as of right now, I still do get referrals from people I work with. So I know yeah. I can predict how what my months are going to look like, what my quarters are going to yeah. look like. So that yeah. makes me comfortable as of right now. And I'm working on a plan that will help kind of like secure my future as well. Mm. Um, I, I am a numbers person. Like if you wanted to have like a private conversation with me, I will tell you what my numbers are. I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> like I will share my yeah. numbers with you. So yeah, like I also hired, um, it's like, I want to say they're almost like a freelance CFO type of thing. So it's like a collection okay. of um, accountants, Tax people, you know, like they, they check in with me every once in a while just to kind of like balance my QuickBooks stuff and then like do tell me when to pay my taxes. Um, I, if like I had a question about like whether or not I can afford something I can check in with them and just mm-hmm. be like oh should I make this expense but like I said I'm I'm always crunching numbers and trying to figure out stuff so I know how much I'm spending on uh, a monthly basis and then I yeah. can predict or anticipate how much I can earn per project and if I ever feel like I'm getting low um, best believe I'm gonna raise the prices <laughs> to try yes, to yes, to try yes. to get um, as much as I can from any t- Any particular project.
0: What's the name of that service in case anyone wants to explore? It's called um, Collective. Got it. Okay. So we'll link to that, you guys. So now we're going to jump into a quick lightning round. Mm -hmm. You listen to the show. So you know how this goes. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. I mean, you just shared a resource, but we'll kick it (laughs) off with um, (laughs) what is another resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the SideHustle Pro audience?
1: Um, I know a lot of people use thepsato, but I am a big fan of Bonsai. <laughs> so I, I like a really aesthetically pleasing user interface and they kind of like an alternative to doing automated invoicing, contracting, legal contracting to not just something you created out of a Google Doc. <laughs> so legal <laughs> contracting, um, you know, all of that stuff, you can track your money and uh-huh. I just love them.
0: All right, we got to get them in the sponsorship chair. Um, (laughs) Number two, who is a black woman entrepreneur that you would switch places with for a day and why?
1: So I would love to trade places with Shonda Rhimes one day because she's so Mm -hmm. bomb. Like she's so she's able to do like a lot and she has kids. And I would love to just switch places with her and just kind of figure out like exactly what a day in her life would look like. Yes,
0: yes. Um, Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your daily routine?
1: Having dinner with my kids, <laughs> like I, I need that like family dinner time. That's one mm-hmm. thing I will not change. I do it every single day. We don't miss
0: it. Yay! I love <laughs> that. Um, number four. What is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? I just I like checking my numbers. I like
1: seeing mm. like what's coming. Like I like to see. Yes. How much money did I make? How much money am I expecting? Uh-huh. You know, like I yes. I like checking my numbers. Like that makes me comfortable. Yes.
0: So if that's yes. a habit. I okay. like this. I, I really hit, hit us up if you want us to have a separate, a bonus numbers episode somehow <laughs> with, with Shirley. Like let's talk about numbers <laughs> and like, you know, how she's setting herself up for success because, I uh, you know, that that just motivated me to like do more. Like oh, I want to, you know, clean up my QuickBooks for the month. Like I have mm-hmm. not been in there this month. All right. Number five last one um what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing that steady paycheck
1: yeah i definitely um believe in finding inspiration where you can this podcast is Mm -hmm. like a really good resource but it's not like the only platform out there that can help you find good inspiration but find that inspiration that you need in order to give you the courage to go out on your own and to also just be a constant reminder that you know, like, when you're going through rough times, because there are rough times, um, yes. just, like, reminding yourself that, you know, she did it too, you can do it too, you know? Yep. Um, constantly have that, Do um, you're going to lose faith sometimes, but, like, keep the faith. Like, yep. you got to, like, believe in yourself, believe that something better is on the other side. Um, yep. Can I also, like, give another resource? <laughs> yes, Two <laughs> books that please. I read in order to kind uh-huh. of, like, uh, inspire um, more inspiration. When I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm struggling with the whole entrepreneurial thing is basically uh, the greatest salesman's in the world because it's pretty much a book of affirmations if you listen to it um, Mm. in in its full extent. And then Mm -hmm. uh, the E-Myth, I can't remember who it's by, but the the E-Myth Revisited. Yeah, yeah, it's such a great resource that helps you kind of figure out exactly what you need to do. It's literally written right there. Just kind of like follow it and that will help you kind of be guided through all of the process of your businesses.
0: Love it. Well, thank you so much, Shirley. This was awesome. This was excellent. I mean, I just hope that, you know, you guys let us know. Tag me on social, Instagram, Twitter. Let me know what you thought of this episode because I just think that Shirley shared so much. Of course, you know, you guys can also watch us on YouTube. Don't forget that um, these episodes are now video on YouTube. So you can check us out. Let us know in the comments what you learned, what else you want to know. Because, I mean, we might need a part two. (laughs) So where where can people connect with you after this episode? Um, I am sometimes on Instagram. <laughs>
1: <and> <laughs> it'll be Shirley T Design. And then um, my website, which is ShirleyT.co. Shirley T is a nickname that I have. If you're wondering, like, where did that come from? It's,
0: <laughs> it's just a nickname that I go by. Well, there you have it, you guys. I'll link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you again, Shirley. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.